Hi, everybody. Welcome to Rover Says, the podcast where we share stories about the weird and wonderful things animals say when they talk to pet psychics. I'm your host, Nancy Aziz. As I understand, there was a kind of an issue going on there at the Grange. Yes, we did. We had um, we had a lot of mice and rats because of all the seeds and because a lot of groups have, um, they meet weekly and so they store tea and food, and, you know, sometimes sugar at the at the Grange and we had a little rat problem. When you say a little rat problem, it sounds like you're kind of understating. <laughs> Yeah, they, the rats were everywhere. They were in the cupboards, you know. They were, yeah, there, there were rats were everywhere. It was a problem. They, they were, they would eat all the paper plates and leave tattered paper towels, and the sugar packets were open. You know, that's Diane Nichols trying to explain the rodent problem at a place known as the Grange in Ashland, Oregon. Since I'm not familiar with what a Grange is, I'm assuming some of you might not be either. You know, for those people who aren't really familiar with with what a Grange is, could you just talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Um, At the end of the Civil War, a lot of um, orphans and widows were struggling. And at the same time, there were a lot of um, very wealthy railroad um, executives who wanted to take over farmers' land and put the railroad through their land without compensating them. So the Grange was formed as an organization that could help widows and help orphans and also uh, be a support system for the farmers so their land wouldn't be taken. And when the group started, um, I just think it's interesting that they allowed women to have an equal vote in the process. It was a purely democratic process, and that was years and years before the United States gave women the right to vote. So it's uh, got a long history and they they started forming granges all over the United States, which is uh, the way it is now. Today, Diane tells me the Grange still has its roots in organic farming. It features a community garden. It also welcomes groups who use the center for dance lessons, children's theater and concerts. The community garden and the food served at the events make an attractive lure for rodents. But there's another thing at the Grange that rats and mice love, seeds. Yes, um, Hardy Seeds is uh, the company that uh, Chris Hardy is one of our officers. He's the vice president of the Grange right now. And he has been around the world. He's been to Tibet and um, really everywhere, <laughs> Mongolia, India, um, all over the world, gathering seeds from crops that are going extinct because of corporate farming, you know, sort of homogenizing and, and taking away a lot of the uh, what they would consider to be less popular plants and um, grains. And so he's been collecting those and we keep those seeds in a seed library at the Grange. Diane and the others who helped run the Grange knew they had to get the rats out to protect the precious seeds, but how to go about it wasn't a unanimous decision. You guys had this rat problem and what did folks there want to do about it? There were a couple of people whose immediate reaction was to put out a ton of traps. And that's the traditional thing people think of when they have a rodent problem. They just want to kill the rats or get rid of the rats somehow. 
And um, I remembered that um, Susan Vaughn had helped us in the past. We actually had Norwegian roof rats when we moved into this house. And I just couldn't stand the thought of killing the rats. And so we called her and asked her to communicate with the rats and see if they would leave peacefully. And she did. And we never had a rat problem again. And we've been here for 15 years. So um, I wanted to try that with the Grange before they started killing, you know, killing the rats and mice and starting a problem that would be endless. So when you said that you wanted to try a, an animal communicator um, instead of traps, like what was the reaction? I'm curious what people had to say about that. Um, well, some people were, well, well, the way I put it, <laughs> I, I said to them, you know, uh, um, we could try this. And if it doesn't work, we could try something else. Like we have nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose by giving it a try and just seeing. And if it works, we've solved the problem. And if it doesn't, we'll go from there. So a few of them were begrudgingly agreeing to that because uh, some of the organic farmers were like, you can't get rid of rats. You're not getting rid of mice. This is ridiculous, you know, but, but they still were like with a kind of a cocked eyebrow, okay, let's try it. And um, it was mostly women <laughs> who were willing to give it a try. And um, so we called. Diane called the animal communicator she'd used in the past, California-based Susan Vaughn. Vaughn doesn't like the term pet psychic because she says it infers a certain predictability when she says working with animals is more translating messages from animals to people. Vaughn was a human psychic for more than a decade before she came to work with animals. And when she started, she says she did so with a bit of skepticism. Well, uh, you know, if somebody called me up and said, you know, I'll, I can talk to your dog on the phone and resolve your problem, uh, you know, I'd probably be a little bit like, really? Also. So, I mean, it's definitely a thing where you you would it's better if you have experienced it, you know? Um, and for me too, I was quite skeptical about whether or not this was a real thing, whether it was workable, whether it was a healing thing or anything I wanted to be involved in at all. Well, it turned out that after each consultation, the animals were really eager to cooperate with our requests. Uh, the people's home became more harmonious and things became resolved. Not every time 100% because the people have a role in it also, you know, but still they were, uh, they were able to understand the animal's point of view and make real changes that were helpful in more, a more harmonious, harmonious home. So I speak to the animal telepathically. It doesn't matter where the animal is at. I link to the person through the photo of the animal and the person on the phone. So we know it's that animal in that location. And I send pictures to the animal and the animal sends pictures back to me about what they're thinking and feeling. So it it's real to me now, but I understand how it's weird for a lot of people. It's not something you can touch, but then you can't touch love or joy really either. Vaughn did her session with Diane over the phone. While she says she usually likes to have a picture of the animal, in this case, she says she didn't need one. 
you know, I I went that way without a photo, and particularly because they I knew what they looked like, you know. Uh, but they called me. They say I have this problem. Can you help me out? I say I'll give up my best shot. I uh, request the attention of the rats, or in the case of this group, you know, the the rat king. <laughs> you know, uh, with insects and some other groups, you need to talk to their leader because they are a kind of a group consciousness. So they, you know, birds are kind of like that. You know, you can talk to individual birds, but you might, if you talk to a flock, you need to to go to the leader, you know, type of thing. So, um, you know, I talked to the leader and asked about their willingness to relocate and that these were our intentions and this is where we had in mind. She said, you don't talk to the individual mice or the individual rats when you have a situation like this. You talk to sort of the, the overarching um, quintessential rat energy or energy. And the the rat she was talking with said, you know, oh, you don't want us to be in your garden. You know, you have all these perfect, beautiful things. This is like rat buffet. You know, and and then you don't want us to be inside your beautiful grange where we could be safe from the weather, have beautiful babies everywhere. <laughs> and um, and they said, that's really asking us to give up a lot. With the rats, you know, they don't just say, yeah, we're on it. Here we go. You know, they, they become very contemplative and deep and they want to see if the humans are sincere, you know. So I talk to them, when you talk to a species like that, that you want to move, you have to say, here's a good place that we think you would be happy, and we'd like you to move over to this place, which turned out to be not very far, kind of like across the road or whatever. I showed them some ways to get there, you know, underground or above ground, um, and it had rotting wood, uh, little places for them to nest you know, hollowed out logs. It just had some good stuff, you know, for mice and rats. But we said, you know, we'd, we'd really like to do this with you. We we want to not harm you in any way, but we need to keep these seeds, uh, you know, intact. And they said, okay, but there's a condition. We want you to think of us and honor us as part of the circle of life because humans do not respect and honor rodents. And you think we're pests and you just want to get rid of us. And we are an important part of the circle of life. So we want to be honored for that. And we would also like it if once in a while you would leave us a little offering of something good to eat because we're giving up so much to make this deal with you. So um, we did that. We gathered the group um, together and there were maybe maybe about a maybe a dozen of us and some of us had done research on the different positive qualities of mice and rats. And uh, there's a lot of information if you look up Chinese astrology. And um, so we gathered in the place where we wanted them to be. And we were thanking them for being willing to make this deal with us to stay out of the grange, stay out of the garden, stay out of the food forest, stay out of the seed library. And we would honor them and thank them. And then occasionally we would bring these little treats for them. And the head of the rats was like, like he was saying, Susan said he was saying he was going to metaphorically put on his tuxedo because he was so pleased that we were willing to do this to work with them and not, um, not harm them. 
And we really did say, you know, we don't want to harm you. We, we don't want to harm you. We don't want to harm anyone, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, I think that that energy was the underlying part of it. It wasn't like we, you know, we were, we had our little knives bared at each other and we were like, okay, who's going to strike first. It wasn't like we, we really, our hearts were open. We wanted to have peace with them. When you come with that intention, you have a high rate of success, very high rate. Diane says it worked. The rats left the building. And how soon were they gone? Instantly. Yep. They were gone immediately. And um, the two of the people from the Grange wanted to continue to put all the, of these traps inside. And I said to them, that is giving the wrong message to our new friends. <laughs> You know, if, you, if you're telling them you trust them and then you're putting all these traps out to kill them, you're going against what you said. And why should they trust us, you know? Um, and so they very begrudgingly took the traps away. But uh, and so we haven't had any trouble since then. This has been years. This has been like four years. Since the rats have held up their part of the bargain, Diane says she is, too, still bringing them treats every now and then. My son and his fiancée and I, we uh, love, 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 love animals. And so we bring them organic walnuts and sunflower seeds and organic pumpkin seeds and fruit, cut up apples that are organic and all sorts of treats that rats would like. <laughs> and we, we go down to the uh, this one particular place and we call them, you know, in our minds, we all three send out loving thoughts to them and we tell them that we're there and we are leaving them this offering thanking them for leaving everything alone and um, it always feels really good to do that and i'm just curious how you feel about this whole thing like are you just so grateful that you were able to you know just spare the lives of these animals you know and solve a problem at the same time uh, absolutely because I just feel like this is kind of a uh, a new paradigm that humans have to grasp that we can co-create with nature. We don't have to be dominating nature and, and forcing it to do our will. Like we can be very harmonious and have a win-win situation. You know, people don't have to be enemies. I, I had a, a, a situation in Seattle where with slugs and I, you know, talked to the slugs and got them to stop eating my dahlias. And, um, you know, we can be harmonious with things we consider to be pests. Thanks so much for listening to Rover Says. If you like the show, please rate it, follow and share so other people who love animals can find the show. And we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, roversays.com and leave us a message. We drop new episodes every other Wednesday.